One of the first decisions I had to make when I was starting as a photographer was if I wanted to shoot outdoor photos, in-home photos, find a studio and shoot in-studio photos. There were so many options and I just had to decide what resonated the most for me. Now, I chose to do outdoor photography and in-home sessions for my families, but you might love studio. You might love all of it. Whatever it is, you just need to make that decision and go with it. So for me, I kind of have a secret love for studio work though. In fact, so much that I'm currently looking for one for my own business. Now, I don't think people realize how much goes into photographing in a studio between the lighting, the space itself, having all of the props and things that you need to make a session successful. There's actually quite a bit to it. So we're going to chat about all of that today and more. So if you've considered opening a studio or starting studio photography, then this episode is for you. Welcome to the Fill Your Frame podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Golding. I was a young mama and full-time teacher when I first picked up my camera and started down the path of creating a highly successful and sought-after photography business. I managed to turn that side hustle into a full-time job that sustains a balanced life where I can give more to my five littles at home. After building this business for the last 10 years, I want to invite you into a space where you can take a peek behind the scenes of my camera-ready life. Join in weekly where I will open up discussions with other creative artists turned business pros as we share real life strategies, stories, and action steps for you to turn your passion into profits. Lean in because we're about to get the show started. Remember, you can subscribe to today's show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Audible. I'm so happy to bring you today's episode all about studio photography with our special guest, Janessa Tabor. Janessa is a beautiful mother of four from Northern California and has been running her successful business for the last 17 years. She is a fine art maternity, newborn, and child photographer, and she currently works full-time out of her studio in Butte County and part-time at a studio in Southern California. I'm so excited to have her on today to chat with me about what it's like to run a photography business in a studio, how photographers can set themselves apart from others in such a saturated market, and her tips on newborn safety and where you can go for education on how to get started in a studio, plus so much more. Okay, let's welcome Janessa to the show. Hi, Janessa. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be recording with you today. Thank you. I'm excited too. Thank you for inviting me and bringing yes. me on this podcast. I'm excited. Good, good. I'm so happy I found you too. So just a little backstory. I, I was on Instagram and I came upon Janessa's profile and as looking at it, I, you know, obviously loved her work and it was so beautiful. And I think one of the things that really drew me to it and why I wanted to have her on is just because we do the same thing in relation to capturing families and children and motherhood, but we just do it in a different way which I love so much. I love our industry in the sense that people can have the same goal, but do things differently and both get beautiful results. Right. But then I was looking at your profile and realized that we were actually so close to each other um, location wise. So that was super fun for me. Did you grow up in this area? So I'm originally from the Bay area. I was born in Marin County in Novato, California. Okay. Okay. And, uh, my parents made a journey to Benicia and they had a little rental in Benicia. And then my dad was so proud to buy a house and then new subdivision in Sassoon city. And okay. built, we built it from the, the ground up, moved to Sassoon. I lived there for about, I'd say like maybe 10, 11 years, maybe 13, that's pushing it. 
But um, yeah, I I grew up in the Bay Area and went to school there. And then I moved up north to Yuba City. I graduated in 2001 from Yuba City High School. Okay. So, and then I just kind of made my way even more north when I met my fiance, Paul. And he got tired of driving to Yuba City. So he, (laughs) yeah, come live up here. So I, now I'm in Butte County and I'm in Gridley, California, and I love it. I have a studio in downtown Gridley. It's a historical town, really cute little quaint town of like six or 7,000 people. So it's kind of small. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, we're going to get into all that, but I just wanted to location wise. I was kind of like wondering if you grew up here. Cause I'm, I grew up where I live. I grew up in California, Northern California and this area. So I love it here, obviously. So I just wanted to see, but I wanted to have you on today and we're going to chat about, you know, capturing beautiful storytelling images in a studio. And, you know, as a studio photographer for you, like I, I want to have you share too, as we go through the questions, we'll chat, but like how can one set themselves apart if they are photographing in a studio and just the importance of, you know, really making yourself unique and offering unique things, which I know you're so great at. So we'll get into that. But as we, before we start and any of that, I want to know about your journey with photography. So what has it been like? And like, how did you get to where you are now in your business? And, you know, I know it's, it's a big question with um, limited time, but just give us a little snippet because, you know, a lot of my listeners might not know you just so they can get to know you a little bit. So my journey kind of started when I was very young. My dad had bought me my first camera when I was about five and I literally took pictures of everything. I probably put him in debt with all the film. <laughs> it was a Where's Waldo camera and it had a little negative of Waldo inside of the shutter. So every time you took a photo, there was Waldo in it. And I thought, oh my it was, gosh, that's cute. Was the coolest thing. I, you know, would set up blankets and dress my sister up and pose her in front of it. I literally have pictures of it. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I took photography in high school and then I went into law enforcement, went through the police academy and just wasn't for me. It wasn't really something I wanted to do. So I took up photography. I entered a contest in Sacramento for catching somebody in the act of using too much toilet paper. I ended up winning the grand prize. So I figured, Hey, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I took the money, the $5,000 that I won and bought all my, all my gear and started my business back in 2005. And I had little ones. So they were my Guinea pigs. (laughs) And then it, kind of took off from there. I, my business built pretty quick. I, I took about a two, three year break from it into from 2000, I would say 2011 to 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started an in-home studio and then I grew, grew out of that room in our house. And I shared a studio with another photographer in Oroville for a year just to kind of, you know, see how I would do with it. I didn't want to rush into getting a studio because I didn't want to, you know, go in over my head and fail. So I kind of baby steps, you know, and Mm -hmm. it worked out. And I started renting my studio in Gridley by myself in 2018. And I've been there for three years and I'm doing really good and I love it. It's my dream studio. Yeah. Well, and I think that I love that you shared your journey in the sense of, you know, it wasn't an overnight success. And I feel like that's some of the misconception others get when, you know, social media, there's so many great things, but 
there, it's also hard in, in the same token, right? So I think when new photographers are starting out, a lot of times they see those of us that have established businesses and we have, you know, a lot of clients and we have a social media following, we have different things and they think, oh my gosh, like they have that. I want that like tomorrow. Right. But right. what they, what they don't see is, you know, the years of lead up for us to get to where we're at now. And that's such a crucial part. I think when anyone's wanting to learn photography or you're starting a business is understanding that it's not going to be an overnight success most likely. And it's going to be time and it's going to take, you know, years of, of work and practice and things like that to get to where we're at. And, you know, I love that you say you didn't just jump into a studio because that is a little bit of a risk, right? With studios and anyone thinking of starting one, it's, you know, you have to sign a lease, you have to be committed to pay a certain amount, right? Like, so it is something you need to be thoughtful about, right? Yes. And in the beginning, it's very discouraging because like you said, you want that success overnight, but you have to, you have to build it. You have to invest in education. You have to build your clientele and treat them as family and make sure that they're getting what they want. And it's not even so much about the work. It's honestly how you present yourself to your clients and how you treat them. And that's like the most important thing because referrals are everything. Word of mouth is everything. I hardly advertise anymore because, you know, people just rave about me and every client that I see has been referred 90% of the time by another client. So yeah, that's crazy. That's so great. Right. And that's because a tribute to your client experience. Right. And, and I want to get into that when we talk about, you know, people setting themselves apart, because I think for me, that's a huge, huge, huge distinction. Right. I think that's so, so important for us to do, but now your studio, how did you go about finding it? Like what, you know, cause so much of it is there's, there's lots of factors to consider like lighting, location, all of that. Like, did you feel like you just found a diamond in a rough? Did you kind of just happen upon it? How did you go about that? Well, there was a business there when I actually fell in love with the building. I walked in, there It was a little boutique called Bloom and Mm -hmm. they refurbished old furniture and had like a little boutique in there for like children's bows and little clothes and tutus and dresses for women. And it was a really cute little boutique. And I literally asked the owner, when are you going to move out so I can move in? And she (laughs) left, but they ended up moving their business somewhere else. So I, I took advantage of it and it was the perfect building. It's about 3000 square feet and it has a big shooting room with big, huge, beautiful windows. It's got the brick and then it's got about seven rooms in the back. So I have a dressing room, a newborn room for all my props. And then I have my office, I have a craft room. So I do all my sewing and my you know, creation of flower crowns or using my cricket machine. If I need something unique for a cake smash. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. so such a huge space. That's awesome. Yep. Um, I feel like you did find a diamond in a rough. That's so, so <laughs> nice. Um, so, you know, I know, cause I know from looking at your Instagram and things, um, I can tell that you're, you know, you do a lot of capturing motherhood and newborns in like a fine art way. Why are these two groups so important to you? And like, when you were first starting, did you already gravitate towards those? Or do you feel like you've just kind of started to be known for that? So it's evolved over time or tell me a little bit about that. I've always gravitated for that. Um, I do have an idol. (laughs) Her name is, I'm sure you know her. Her name is Ann Geddes. (laughs) Oh yes. Yes. Of course. Um, I absolutely fell in love with her work. 
Okay. I was a child, literally seeing her, all her work in the pediatric offices. And then she came out with the, the miracle CD and the photo shoot that she did for, for, um, Celine Dion. I don't know if you are familiar with that, but Celine Dion came out with a miracle CD and Ann Gettys captured all of the images for that album. No, I'm going to have to go look that up after we're done. It's absolutely (laughs) stunning. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, I love this look. I love the fine art look with the babies and the mom skin to skin with fabric wrapped around them. Just beautiful. So I absolutely fell in love with that style. And I've kind of struggled, you know, with my style, like trying to figure out what I want to do. That's been a big thing for years, but I think I've finally have committed to the fine art style. I, yeah. I just think it's more what I would want. So that's what I want to provide. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think, you know, for like for you, I know you have children as well. Oftentimes as, you know, mothers just documenting motherhood and newborns and children in general, just were like, I feel a natural pull to that. I think because I identify so much with it. Right. Um, and those relationships are so important to us, right? So we we feel the need to document them for others as well. I still love every single baby photo of my kids and every horrible pregnancy photo of me, even though they're so awful because the industry has evolved so much. And I still love those photos, even if they were taken at Olin Mills or Walmart, like they're your, they're your precious babies and you have to hold on to those memories because you do forget. You really do. Well, right. And, you know, and that's what I always, always am telling my clients and anyone, and I'm sure you do the same is like, you know, as mothers, we're so hesitant to get in the frame. We think we're always taking it or we, we want to lose five more pounds. We want to right. do, do that. And, and it's just like, get in the frame. Your kids are not going to care. Like they will just want to have photos of you They're They will see nothing in those photos, except their mother. Like they aren't judging. They're not you know, and half the time, no one is judging or probably most of the time, no one's judging except ourselves. So I'm just always an advocate of get in the photo. Like you'll be so happy you did. You're never going to regret it. You know? Yeah. I've, I've done that with clients when they've come not ready and I will literally push them in there and they never regret it. I'll just add a little bit of makeup and Photoshop and they're happy. (laughs) And there you go. Right. I mean, I just think to have those memories documented is so priceless and it's just so, so important. Because I know your approach to, you know, uh, capturing motherhood and newborns, like, for example, I do more of like a lifestyle, you know, so we're so different, but yet I love that we both can appreciate each other's work. And that's what I love about, you know, this industry and where it's going and hopefully how it will always be is understanding that it's community over competition and that there's room for everybody. There's enough people who want photos. There's enough styles to go around. Like, we all just in essence want to document families and capture their joy for them. And that's always our goal. Um, but I love looking at your stuff with the studio in your studio and like your different, I saw you had some different holiday things going on, you know, as you are documenting these babies and things, and then maybe once they kind of phase out of that baby stage, do you find that you'll, you'll also photograph teens and families in your studio too? Yes. I've photographed a lot of teens. I do pictures for, you know, eighth grade graduation. They'll come in and do, you know, pretty pictures in the studio. Some want both. Some want, want indoor and outdoor. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of quince pictures, high school seniors, yeah. and I was a senior once. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I yeah. know they, 
love, they love taking pictures, but except for the boys, they hate it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Boys are always hard to get um, loosened up a little bit, but yeah, cause I imagine, you know, I know for me, like it's, that's what I love the most. And I'm sure you do too, is you, you meet these families and you can grow with them. You can grow together. Right. And so, right. you know, for you being able to continue to document them, even as the kids get older is so, so special, I'm sure. But, you know, I think generally we all get kind of known for one certain niche. It doesn't mean we're not working outside of that, but you know, for you, I I see newborns as like your go-to, which are so, so I love all your setups. I love it all. So as we kind of, you know, talk about talking about newborns, I feel like one of the things that was a learning curve for me when I first started was understanding the importance of newborn safety. And I know it was something in our industry for a hot minute. It was talked about a lot because people were doing things that were a little bit different or appeared to be unsafe, you know? So obviously it's so incredibly important. And I think this was something I wasn't as in tune to or understanding it until I had a newborn of my own, but tell me a little bit about, you know, cause for me, like I shoot lifestyle newborn. So it's different than you. Like I'll shoot oftentimes. And I know you do this as well, but the mom holding the baby, things like that, where you do more, um, so more images of them by themselves in different setups. So tell me a little bit about like, what are your top tips for newborn safety? What are your suggestions? Cause I'm just in my mind envisioning someone wanting to start photography and maybe they don't have kids yet and they don't really understand how to handle a newborn, you know? Right. Um, So what do you, what do you suggest for that? Or in general, what are your tips? I would have to say my number one newborn safety tip would be to always have somebody spotting the baby, no matter what Um, babies, you know, they can move in an instant and an accident can happen in an instant. So if you can't get an assistant in, have mom or dad help just to make sure that the baby's safe. Another tip that I can highly recommend is with all bucket poses or basket poses, always weight the basket down, you know, with a five pound or 10 pound weight, um, at the bottom of the basket, because if you've got a baby posed with, you know, hands under chin, baby can tip forward in the, in the bucket. If the babies, you know, babies are actually very light, but when they're in a bucket, a hollow bucket, their weight being pushed forward, that bucket can tip over. So always put the weight towards the back of the bucket. That way that bucket is stabilized. Another really important tip that a lot of people overlook is the positioning of their head. So if their head is too far forward, they can't breathe. If their head is too far back, they cannot breathe because their little, their little um, windpipe or trachea or whatever it's called, it gets, it gets pinched and, and they literally cannot breathe. That's why the whole car seat, when they tell you don't, don't put your car seat on the ground because their head tilt, tilts forward or too far back and babies. Yeah, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. So that's really important as for swaddling. They love it. <laughs> I think the safest approach to newborn photography is swaddling them. I think once you get a little more advanced and have more practice, the, the bum up poses on the cute little beds or yeah. poses like that suspended shots. Like I do a lot of shots where they're like hanging in a wreath. That's okay. always, always photoshopped, never suspend a baby in the air. Always Photoshop that I do a lot of composite work. A lot of people can't even tell. So, right. Well, that's the thing. So I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because people need to, and if they're listening and they're wanting to start in studio newborn work and things like that, like understanding that oftentimes, or almost all, a lot of them are composites. 
like no photographer is letting a baby hang from anything without being held. Right. Like, so people, and, you know, I know people even with the, you know, the chin on the, the, that on their, um, sorry, the hands on their chin, things like that are sometimes composites as well. And I think people look at that and they were like, Oh, I want to try this, but they don't understand that, you know, that's a composition of a couple different shots with hands in the frame at different positions to make it the baby safe. Right. Correct. And I've heard horror stories from clients, new clients who have had their babies previously photographed with other photographers in the area. One propped a baby up on top of a coffee table because that was where the wind, sorry, the window light was coming in perfectly. So Uh she put a rocking horse on top of a coffee table and then set the baby on the rocking horse and turned her back and walked away. And the baby fell off and hit its head. The baby was helicoptered to UC Davis and that photographer was sued. So that is something you never do. You never put them on a prop that they can fall potentially fall off of. And if you want them on a prop that they can potentially fall off of, you better make sure that there's somebody with a hand on them at all times, because those babies, once they move and they startle easily, they have a yeah. startle reflex. So if they hear something or something drops, or if, you know, someone makes a noise or sneezes, that baby's going to startle and that baby could easily fall off any prop. And I just, I don't recommend it. I recommend putting them on a bean bag and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cutting them out and, you know, get educated on composites. I can recommend a couple of educational resources for that and, you know, how to shadow and cut out and make it look realistic without making it look fake and how to light it in preparation for the the composite. You always want to prepare beforehand. You want to look at the photo. You want to, you want to kind of gauge what the F-stop of that photo is and make sure that your F-stop is about the same as the baby because it won't look believable. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you tell me those, I'll include them in the show notes. That would be great. So people have a resource because- I just feel like it's, it's so, so important. And I know when I first started and, you know, I'm laughing because, you know, before I had a baby, like I didn't even know how to hold a baby properly, you know, like you just (laughs) knew more are so fragile. And I remember sitting in the hospital watching the nurse swaddle my baby and, you know, she was my first. And I was like, you know, it's just different first versus when they had my fifth, I was like, Oh, go ahead, do whatever, you know, like I got, you got it. But I was watching her move Claire around so quickly. Like she yes. was swaddling her and flipped her around and flipped her back. And my husband, I looked at each other like, oh my gosh, is she okay? Like, what's she doing? You know, because yep. we just you know, right? But she was I, going to do. And I'm just like, still in my mind, I'm like, wow, that was like traumatizing to me at first. But she was the one in the know and knew that she would <laughs> love being swaddled like that. And I'm like, yep. holy cow. But the swaddling, that's an art in itself. It really is. And, you know, when I'm photographing and swaddling these newborns with first time parents, the dads are looking at me like, what are you doing to my baby? And I just tell them, you know, they're very flexible. They just spent nine months in a very tight space. They like this. And I honestly, the best advice I can give a newborn photographer or an aspiring newborn photographer is do model calls and practice, practice, practice. And I also have some resources that I can give you for swaddling. There's some really good swaddle educational videos. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're they're amazing. But like I said, you know, with those first time parents, you just got to reassure them it's okay. They're flexible. They're not going to (laughs) break. I got this. I got you covered. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think that's what I just wanted to touch on this within our, you know, us chatting, because I feel like, you know, as I'm saying, okay, yeah, like, you know, in studio newborn is so beautiful and this and that. And then, you know, people need to understand there is that caveat of, but you need to educate yourself first. You need to understand how important the safety is for a newborn. And of course, if anything ever happens, it's obviously an accident, but you want to do your, the most, the, as many things as you can to prevent an accident from occurring. Right. And you also mentioned being sued, which is, uh, you know, a possibility as well um, within a business. So you just have to, you know, cover your bases. Always, always, always get liability insurance, no matter what, because if you do get sued, the liability insurance can step in and, you know, Mm -hmm let you use their lawyers and things like that. Just right. research, get a really good liability insurance and get lots of coverage. Lots. <laughs> lots of coverage. Um, so, okay, before we move on to, you know, um, helping yourself stand out, what what is your secret to getting the babies to sleep? Because I always like to hear what other people do. What is, because obviously, you know, as newborns, do you do, do you photograph them within like the first 10 days? How do you I do, do I do okay. require the first 10 days. However, I... I think the sweet spot is about six to seven days because that's when mom's milk comes in. If they're breastfeeding, if they're not breastfeeding, I say come in, you know, when they're two days old, if they are breastfeeding, I wouldn't even wait until their milk fully comes in just because they get hungry. And when they're hungry, it just doesn't work. So if all they're producing is colostrum, then I just prefer to wait a little bit. I think the sweet spot is between six and eight days, but I do prefer before 10 days, but newborns are newborn till they're about six to eight weeks old. So you can make it work. It's just easier to do it when they're younger. Right. Because in my experience, you know, the older they get, they start waking up to the world. Right. And so getting them to sleep and stay sleeping while you're moving them in positions gets difficult, the older that they get. Right. Yes. So what I do is I have a, a base swaddle that I use and I just keep that on them and I just wrap over them. Mm-hmm. If we're not doing swaddled shots or if they're unsettled, we feed them, we burp them, make sure they have a pacifier. If parents don't bring pacifiers or don't believe in them and they will, even if you tell them to bring them, they won't. So right. make sure you have some pacifiers in your studio, ready to go that are packaged, ready to go have a shisher or a white noise machine. I have a right. mini heater. I always keep my temperature around 72. A lot of photographers crank their heaters up to like 80 I highly advise against that. There's been times where I've done that and everybody's miserable. The baby gets hot. Yeah, I feel it's a safety issue, honestly, for photographers, because you can pass out if you're too hot and you're working with a newborn for four hours, you get dehydrated, you get tired. Yes. Don't do it. Keep your temperature at 72, have a space heater near baby. It keeps everybody comfortable and it doesn't get too warm. I have also have a yoga ball. So I bounce on my yoga ball if I need to do that. So I'll hold the baby and bounce on the yoga ball or I have a rocket that I connect to my bean bag. So it kind of rocks the the bean bag, which you can find on Amazon for about 120 bucks. It's really little device. Cool. So I, and I, I do the little vibration, you know, I have a heating pad on the bean bag. So it just, there's a variation of things that you can use to keep baby calm and asleep, but you have to kind of go through them all to figure out what works for that baby, because every baby's different and every baby has a different lifestyle at home. So, and that, that changes everything for a baby. So you just kind of have to put your feelers out for what that baby likes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And some of that, you know, I feel like comes with experience as well. You know, you're very experienced in what you do. And I think, you know, 
people starting out in this kind of a niche. It's just one of those things where you just are going to have to jump in and do it and gain experience as you go. And obviously the way you handled certain situations, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago for you, you would handle them differently now. Right. But that's just part of learning. But I think, you know, just getting started. And like you said, doing model calls and understanding, you know, you, you do need to have a certain setup and the right equipment to help yourself be successful. Right. Like there's just certain things that they're going to need to have. And then, you know, I love that you mentioned not having the temperature up crazy high because I've had that experience as well. I do in-home um, lifestyle family shoots with newborns and I'll have where the mom will turn the heater up like way high to help keep the baby um, happy. But what ends up happening is mom and dad are sweating. They're already stressed out because this is a new baby. They're not sure what they're doing. I'm getting hot. We're all just like, you know, uncomfortable. And then I honestly, I feel like sometimes babies get overheated as well. They do. And every baby's different. Some babies like room temperature, some like to be cooler, some like to be warmer. I've had, you know, 15 pound babies that want to be wrapped up and kept super warm. And I've had 15 pound babies that want to be unwrapped and just naked. Yeah. So it just depends on the baby. Everybody's different. So yeah. Yeah. You just got to, got to feel it out and see what works. So I want to chat about, you know, how, how can people help themselves stand out in this market? So, you know, I feel like our industry in general can be a little bit on the oversaturated side, right? So <laughs> why do you feel like it's important for, you know, a photographer to try to stand out? And I mean, in relation to, you know, especially if they shoot in a studio, but just in general as well, because one thing I did notice is, you know, with studio work and outdoors, this happens totally all the time too. You feel like sometimes you see a lot of the same setups, you see the same poses, the same lighting, you the know, same presets. <laughs> yes. The same presets. So it's almost like you're, you know, how do you break apart from that mold to make yourself stand out? So that was something I struggled with for a long time. I was one of the first photographers in this area to start digital photography and oh, wow. I started doing the nude maternity early on back in 2005 mm-hmm. with, the, with the lace. I saw the, the Britney Spears and the Demi, the Demi Moore Vogue maternity shoots and fell in love with them. And I'm like, this is gorgeous. I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So I noticed shortly after that, that a lot of people started picking up cameras and started doing the same stuff. And it was frustrating. And everybody was like, oh, you know, flattery. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was kind of stressful for me because I didn't want to be like everybody else and I didn't want everybody else to be like me. So I had to really figure out a way to make myself stand out, which is why I started the studio work so that I can be more flexible with my art Mm -hmm. and using, you know, seamless paper and different textures and different lighting and, you know, Rembrandt lighting and, butterfly lighting, all the different types of lighting that you can use. You really, you can get that look outside, but it's very difficult if you don't know what you're doing. So I decided to step into the studio and start doing things a little bit differently. When you talk about hand-painted backdrops, which I want to hear about that. (laughs) So I've been pretty artistic my whole life. I've always, you know, drawn pictures or painted or created things out of clay or written stories and illustrated them. Like I've always been very artistic and creative in that sense. And I decided one day to paint my first backdrop and I did, and it just, it literally exploded. I have clients asking me 
to retire a backdrop after one use and offering to pay me thousands of dollars to decommission it. <laughs> oh, interesting, because they want it to be original. Yep. And then I had another backdrop that I just did with a little penguin wearing a cute little tutu and a crown. And the client asked to purchase a copy of the backdrop to hang in her baby's room. So it's been, it's been huge. I've had offers from baby dream backdrops to sell my work on their site. And um, there's another backdrop company. I can't remember the name, but I just couldn't accept their offer because if I did, then they would own my art and then my art would not be unique anymore. So right. Right. I really people probably come to you for that. Like they know that you do that and you offer that. And I think, and, and I think that's such a compliment to you, but as well, like, I think as, you know, as a photographer, understanding the importance of setting yourself apart and just trying to find ways to be able to do that, you know, because if you just shot with the same backdrops as everybody else, oftentimes it's really hard for someone who's looking for a photographer to say, Oh, I'm going to use this person or this person. But if they see a unique backdrop, they see a hand painted something that you've created, they understand their experience is going to be unique and original. Like that's what people want. Right. So, and that the value on hand painted backdrops is so high like people will literally drop thousands for it. And if you don't know how to paint a backdrop, that's fine. You know, there's resources online that can show you what the tools are that you need. I was honestly thinking about doing an online workshop on how to do it, but anybody can do it. You, you have the creativity, you have that muscle, you just have to use it and you have to strengthen that muscle and keep trying. Don't give up. Just keep trying. Even if it looks like a five-year-old painted it, (laughs) keep trying, keep practicing, and you will get better at it. Um, a lot of photographers understand highlighting and shadows. That's all painting is too. It's the same thing. It's just like Photoshop, but with paint. And I highly recommend if you want to get into painting your own backdrops is to download an application and get an iPad pro with a little pin and start practicing on that because I do. I paint my own backdrops on that all the time. And I send the backdrops to a backdrop company and they send it back printed. Nice. It's like creating a backdrop without the mess. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Yeah. The digital version. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I just think I, I love that unique approach and just you having that mindset of like, okay, you know, we're all in this, we're all hustling. How can I make myself stand out? And like we mentioned before, you know, client experience is so huge. I think that's a definitely deciding factor for us as photographers and making ourselves stand out is what experience are we providing for our clients and what are they saying about us when we're not there? That to me really helps. And then I think people, and tell me if you agree, but finding your own style, I think is so important. And I know you mentioned yours has evolved over time and you really think you've kind of dialed in on that now. But I think for me, a way that I try to stand out is my style is, is unique to me and my style. And I bring my story, my art, my experience into the session and only I can bring that. Right. But I think that so often in social media, we see all these different editing styles coming and going and, you know, right. You know, it's desaturated greens. And then now it's a lot of people are gravitating towards the super vibrant and colorful. And there's just all these different things. And I think if we're not sure in ourselves and our own style, it's easy to kind of waver and, and not have consistency and just doing what's popular at the moment. Right. And to me, that's that's a disservice. Yeah, it is. And fads fade. I don't believe in fads with me. I mean, if you look at my portfolio and then you look at another photographer's portfolio, you'll see that 
my lighting is consistent, but my style is not because I learned several different styles and I can provide different styles for different clients. And one thing I can suggest for everybody is to create inspiration boards and look for inspiration. Don't copy other photographers, but look for inspiration, put your own twist on it, create a board, you know, like pick stitch, grab a collage board and just place the photos in it. I always do that. If a client wants purple with butterflies, for instance, I'll have the dress, I'll have the, 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 a picture of the balloons and a picture of the accessories and the flowers, and I'll put it together and I'll send it to the client and say, this is what I, this is what I'm envisioning. How do you feel about this? And they say, they love it. We go forward with it. And it just turns into this beautiful masterpiece at the end, but don't ever be afraid to do something different. A lot of people are afraid like, Oh, you know, what if someone doesn't like this? Or what if my client hates it? Just be creative. It's okay. <laughs> like go for it. Just reach for the stars. It's right. And don't so hold yourself fun. back. Don't hold yourself back. And like I said, when I'm, when I'm looking for inspiration for painting, like I will literally look up, like, let's say I'm doing a painting of flamingos. I will look up paintings of flamingos just to kind of get some inspiration. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Like penguin shoot, you know, I, I loved the princess castle. So I, I, she wanted a winter wonderland penguin shoot. So I looked <laughs> winter wonderland paintings and paintings of penguins. And, and then I had this vision come in my head and I just kind of sketched it out. And then I bought the little plush penguins on Amazon, sewed them their tutus, glued little snowflakes on the tutus, glued a crown to the top of their head got big, pretty balloons and put them all over in the snow. Like I, it was just gorgeous. And I'm probably made a pretty good sale on that shoot. Yeah, no the photographer, or sorry, the client wanted a copy of the backdrop. So. Right. Well, because that's just a unique experience and they're getting a, like something from you that they can't just go to the photographer down the street and get right. And I think that's the kind of demand we hope to create is whether that's through your client experience. And if you're someone who shoots outdoors, maybe it's locations that you have or use that not a lot of people know about or how, whatever it is that you can do to kind of set yourself apart, your editing. I just think it's so important. So aside from, you know, your backdrops, which are amazing, obviously, what other things have you, is there anything else that you've done as far as, you know, your niche and studio photography to kind of set yourself apart and that you help that you thought has been successful or not successful, whichever you want to share. I have a lot of studio lights, so I play with lighting a lot. Lighting is key. Without lighting, you don't have a photo. So I play with different types of soft boxes, beauty dishes, grids. Um, I've got the big PLMs. I have the shoot throughs, the reflectors. Yeah. Lighting really, it, how do I say this? you're fine. It really identifies who you are. Like if somebody sees a photo, they know exactly who took it. You know what I mean? And that's what I want people to see like, Oh, I know who took that. I bet it was Janessa. And then they go and look and sure enough it is. And I get that a lot. So lighting, not so much the, the backdrop painting and the the set set up, but so much as the lighting and always be consistent with your lighting. If you want to shoot on the left, always shoot on the left. Even if you want to shoot on the right, always shoot on the right, always be consistent with the direction of lighting because part of setting yourself apart is setting up that style that, that fits you, that clients recognize, or, you know, your fans recognize, and then that they become your clients later on. Yeah, definitely. And that's so interesting because see, I don't know much about studio light at all. So I think as a, even a photographer in my mind, I kind of assumed 
a lot of the studio lighting is the same, right? Like, but it's not. And, and as I go through your work now, I'm going to go back and look, I'm sure I will notice distinctions and, you know, variety of your lighting, because I think that's just a misconception that those of us that aren't savvy with studio lighting, we might have. And I think we can look at images and know they're beautiful, but we wouldn't necessarily understand that how you got there as far as the lighting goes. So I'm glad you mentioned all that. That's, that's huge. I'm sure. So many different types of lighting, like backlighting, front lighting, shooting with four lights, five lights, um, yeah. hair lights. Like there's so many different things you can do. Like I notice a lot of photographers are photographing, you know, dark haired pregnant women on dark backdrops and you just, there's no separation. So, you yeah. know, getting educated on how to use lighting properly is big. And I have resources for that too, that can help people. Yeah, that is huge. And I think as people are learning, these are all such amazing tips that you're giving um, to help them just get get their feet wet and get a base on understanding studio photography because it is its own beast. You know, it's different than outdoors. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a learning curve, you know what I mean? So that's so great for you to share. And now really quick, I just want to touch on before we continue to move on, but I know you do in-person sales. So kind of tell me a little bit about that. You mentioned that when you made that shift, that was huge for your business. Yeah. So what I used to do back in the day when I was an amateur, I would take the photos and I would pick all the client photos and edit them. And I noticed a lot of them were like, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. And I would have to go through, show them the photos, watermark them, get the ones they wanted back, re-edit those, which was a huge waste of time. And time is money when you're a photographer. Being a photographer is exhausting. I swear we have a lifespan of like 50 years. <laughs> it is tiring. So, so what I, I had to figure out a way around that. So what I decided to do, which is worked really well for me, is downloading the program Lightroom and starting to shoot in RAW. I only used to shoot in JPEG. And then okay. I started shooting in RAW and I was like, wow, this is a game changer. And then when I started importing the photos into Lightroom, I figured that the, the Lightroom acts as like a proofing system because you can yeah. you can rate your photos one star, right. two star, five star. So what I do now is I have the client come in, we do their photo shoot, and I set up enough time for them to do their proofing session right after the shoot. Now, a lot of photographers say, I don't want to show my work unedited. But the thing is, is that the clients don't see their children the way that we do. They see their children and they fall in love with the photo, no matter what. Right. So showing them these photos ahead of time saves us time because they're literally choosing their photos. So what I do is I plug the photos in. I tell them to take their time, feed their baby, get them changed, whatever, get dressed, do what you need to do. Just take your time, make yourself at home, get a snack, some water, I go back to my computer and I download all the images and I cool them quickly. So do you remember back in the day when they would put the negatives on the backlit table and they would use a little magnifying glass to look yes. at the negative? Well, basically totally. that's what you're doing. You're culling your images and you're right. doing a quick batch edit on all of them. And then you show them those images with that quick little minor tweaks. Like if there's mm -hmm. a lot of redness in the skin, just tweak that redness out. It's so right. easy. And then they pick their photos. They pay for everything up front. So they've chosen their photos and you know that they don't hate them because they picked them. So they right. can't go back and say, hey, I want to switch this one out. You edit the photos and you send them and it's done. The workflow is so simple and you make up sales. So say they commit to a $700 package and they want 20 more images. You just got an upsell of $1,500. And they're paid for it. They're picked. You just have to edit them and send them back and you're done. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's crazy because, you know, and I know you and I chatted about this 
I think with, with that's the advantage too, for me, uh, for us uh, that I see in my eyes of studio lighting being consistent, because I feel like it does. Do you feel like it makes the editing um, simple? Cause I know you also shoot outdoors, but you know, I just feel like it, having that consistent light would make you it, it make it go faster. It is. It's a game changer. And yeah. I highly recommend getting educated on how to shoot correctly straight from camera because it makes that yes. much quicker in studio when you're about to show the images. Now I just sell digital images. I don't sell prints because I have no time for it. I don't want to deal with it. It's too much work for me. So okay. I use a system that is connected to my lab and I give my clients a 30% discount on as an incentive on their digital files in their gallery through yeah. my preferred lab. And I just, you know, my prices are already set high enough to where I can still make a profit on those prints and they do their own prints. They use that coupon. And then those prints are directly sent to them from the lab. They don't know how much that the prints really cost because the lab doesn't send them a receipt and you make print profit and you don't have to do any of the work. Yes. So much better. That's what I do as well uh, through uh, their gallery company, the gallery company I use. It's just so much easier and it's just too much to get order, have them order prints, get them here. Then I'm shipping them to them. It's just like, it's, I can't. So you um, use uh, a coupon as an incentive to get them to, to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep, so I do. And it has like a, it's like an early bird purchase yeah. type thing. The sooner they do it and then it expires, you know? Um, but I think, I think that it's just that that's amazing. Cause I like, I always hear people talk about in-person sales and I think it sounds so amazing, but for me, like what we chatted about before is, you know, having kids at home and I don't have a studio at the moment. So the idea of having my clients come to my home and have that process happen and having to have my kids go somewhere and my house clean, like that's overwhelming to me, but I, I have can- a solution. <laughs> What's that? What's that? What's so- your Before I had my studio, I was doing this. I was testing the waters before I ever had a studio or an in-home studio. Okay. Specifically on location. So what I would do is I would take my laptop and we would do the proofing session at Starbucks and it worked. It worked. Okay. Editing your photos and then show sending them. You're not going to make the upsell. And my biggest secret with this upselling, I mean, I could sell ice to an Eskimo. Right. (laughs) So the, the secret with this is the excitement is there. You don't want them to go home and think about their purchase. You want to get that purchase within the moment because as soon as they go home and start talking to their husbands, they're going to start cutting those images down to the minimum. So so true. Yes. Maximize on the adrenaline and the excitement, you know, of the moment. And yeah, well, and also, you know, for those of us that are in charge of getting our families ready for these photo sessions, you know, we know how much work has gone into it and you're just so happy that it's over and you have the final result that you're probably like, just give them all to me. Just let me just have yep. I've had a lot of dads do that, that hate being in the studio and they just hand their wives the card. Just let's go. I'm hungry. Yeah. So yeah. And you're like, okay. Um, that's a, <laughs> that, that's such a good tip. And I think that goes with anything, you know, as far as, you know, editing and getting photos back to people, it's just, you know, you want to take that wave of excitement and ride it, you know? So, um, yeah, no, that's so, so good. Um, okay. So if someone's wanting to start in studio photography, like what do you suggest they do and where can they start? I would suggest not jumping in right away. Make sure you have a clientele established at least, at least a thousand clients under your belt. 
And then when you start, you know, looking for property, I always recommend if, I mean, if you can handle the rent, I say, go for it. If you're making enough money, go for it. Um, a lot of photographers sublease from other photographers. Um, I shared my first studio, my first commercial space with another photographer for a year Yeah, Yeah. because I was super cautious about the possibility of failing because I I didn't want to sink. I didn't want to lose everything. Um, Another big thing is investing. I know it sounds awful, but it's a sacrifice. And if you want to get to the point where you have enough to offer your clients and they think that your studio is great and you have so much, you're finally making money. It's a small sacrifice. I'd say about three to five years of investing in props and things like that and backdrops and systems and things like that for your studio. It is a big investment. I mean, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on props, education, you name it. Right. Not the point where I'm actually making money. And that just goes really for any business. Really. Um, you've, you've got to invest. It's a small sacrifice unless you can get a loan and get everything up front, but then you're paying back a loan. I did everything without a loan. I did it all from the ground up by myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it took me 17 years. So it's not an overnight thing. (laughs) No. And I think, you know, and I think like anything, as I see like other photographers that have studios, Jesse Salter is a good friend of mine and she runs a really successful studio in like the Midwest area, but she has a, her client closet is insane. Like the amount of clothes that she has and it's an investment, but for her that sets her apart, right? People come and they want to, they want to, they, they know they don't have to stress about clothing. They know that they can come and she can help dress them. And, you know, for you, all the amazing props you have, they know they can come to you and you have these props and you can do these setups and they don't have to worry about bringing anything, buying anything. And like for those of us that are busy and have kids, like I will pay any amount to make my life easier. Right. right. And, and that's how they feel too. So that's a really great point of distinction for you guys that, you know, as you've grown your, you know, repertoire of props and all these things is being able to offer that because not everyone can. Right. I, so. I have a really good example of something that happened yesterday. Um, a client came in, she had three really small kids and a newborn and one of the toddlers got her dress dirty outside. And I saw the look on her face. She was totally stressed out. I'd never seen these people before. Um, I immediately ran out to grab her. I'm like, come in, stop stressing. It's okay. You can come in. And she was waiting for her mini session with her husband and the kids. And she's like, her dress is dirty. I don't know what to do. I said, come in. I took her to the dressing room. And while she was in there calming down because she saw everything that I had, her husband literally walked out and said to me, we've gone to many photographers, but I've never seen anything like this. And we will be coming back. Oh, (laughs) so so great. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> well, because how, I mean, here's the thing that mom was so stressed in that moment, you know, she had planned this for months. She was so excited and yeah. then kids are kids. Right. And then like the fact that you could show her something, give her another option and ease her and help her relax. Like that's going to show in the photos. If you didn't, hadn't provided that she would have been in the photos, super stressed. You can tell on our faces yeah. as moms, like we do not hide emotion. Well, at least I don't, <laughs> if I'm stressed and, and like feeling anxious about something, like I'm not relaxed and super joyful in images. Like it's just, it's hard for me to do that. Right. So I think that you being able to provide that, you know, opportunity for them and for him. Right. Cause he's like, Oh, thank you. You helped my wife feel better. Oh, like, yeah. He was like, Oh man, this is bad. Happy wife, happy life kind of thing. Yeah, totally. He oh was there picking out hair bows and trying on bows for her girls. Cause she didn't have any hair accessories. And I just, I made her day. She left happy. She came in stressed and crying and she left happy. And that is all that matters in my opinion. And she's happy 
happy and she's going to tell everybody she knows about my studio. And so now I'm going to generate more business from that client alone. Yeah. And this is the perfect note for us to end on because I feel like that is the, the best story that happened at the best time right before we recorded this, because it just really wraps up in a pretty bow what we what we want to talk about. And as far as, you know, all of this capturing people's moments and memories and setting yourself apart, like client experience and being able to develop those relationships with our clients, like that's what it's all about. And I feel like, and, I, and I'm sure you agree, like that's what helps make your business successful. Don't you agree? I 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's something that is so, so crucial when, you know, we're any of this, like, yes, studio stuff matters. Yes. Equipment matters. Yes. Experience in photography matters, all of those things, but the relationships that you develop with people that you have trusted you to capture their families, like that's what matters the most. You can be a great photographer, so technically skilled. You can have all of the right stuff. You can prettiest location, this and that, but if you can't develop a relationship with somebody and help them feel comfortable and like help them to enjoy this session, to be able to document their family. Like none of the other stuff matters, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, my, my biggest piece of advice is serving, serve your clients, serve them. Like they're your family. I mean, they are paying your bills and they're raving about you. They're your biggest fans and always serve your fans, make them feel special. If they leave a comment on a photo, even if it's not a photo of their child, always respond back, always make them feel important. It's so important that you serve your clients as if they were your own family. Yes. I love that. Okay. Well, I didn't prep you for this, but I always do a little lightning round at the end. And so it's just like off the cuff, answer the questions. Like first thing that comes to your mind. So there's only five, just real quick. What's your favorite lens? I'd have to say, Oh, that's hard because I, Oh, I use, I use a few lenses. I do. Oh, well for outdoor and indoor, I use totally different lenses. So for indoor, I'd have to say the 35 Sigma art. I okay. shoot Canon. So that's my favorite. And then for outdoor, I love the 70 to 200. It's beautiful for outdoor. Yes. yes. I could see that for your outdoor work for sure. So gorgeous. Okay. Favorite lighting to shoot in. Oh man. I would have to say, Oh, <laughs> I'd have to say backlit. Backlit, my favorite. Yes. It's just, oh, it's so pretty. pretty. If you could have lunch with anyone, who would it be? Ann Gettys. I knew you were going to say that after what you said earlier. I was was feeling like I knew that answer. Um, (laughs) Favorite random products that you bought on Amazon. Oh man. Favorite random products. It doesn't have to be photography. It can be anything. (laughs) I know this one's, or just anything you bought on Amazon lately. What is something you've bought lately? I love buying photography equipment on Amazon. I, there you go. I rarely buy anything for myself anymore. It seems like I know, right? I, I'm barely winging it in the shoe department right now. So <laughs> I love it. Who's your biggest mentor in the photography industry? I would have to say Anna Brandt. Anna Brandt. Okay. I thought I didn't know if you were going to say Ann Gettys again, um, <laughs> but I'm sure she's up there on the list as well. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, she's okay, so if people are listening, where can they find you? They can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok. So your, your Instagram handle though, it is visions by Janessa photography, correct? Yes. Visions by yeah. Janessa photography on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Awesome. And my website's and then- just visions by Janessa 
Thank you for joining us today on the Fill Your Frame podcast with Jillian Golding. Remember, you can always learn more about this podcast and what we talk about by visiting the description notes on whatever app you're listening to today or visiting jilliangolding.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Audible. And if you've enjoyed today's show, please leave me a review. It helps more people like you find our podcast. We are also on socials at Jillian Golding and also Fill Your Frame underscore podcast. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.